The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a monster Monday presented, of course, by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Most of you know that classic journeyman, including both starting and finishing my career in Washington, which is extremely relevant because today we will be joined momentarily by a guy that, believe it or not, covered me. That's how long he's been covering the NFL. Mark Maskey of the Washington Post, who's got a lot of information and insight as it relates to the congressional hearings against the Washington franchise, and had a report on Friday about Deshaun Watson that got a lot of attention for a lot of different reasons. Make sure you check us out on social media. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod. As a reminder, probably one of the easiest ways to win the Spread the Word contest is just to go ahead and retweet or reply or quote tweet or anything on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. Or you can just give us a five-star review, which we love, which means a lot. We love all of our sponsors, so we thank all of you that take advantage of Express Clothing and LinkedIn and Ufos and Wondery and Athletic Greens and all of them. And we love YouTube subscribers. YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Almost as much as we love Mark Maskey. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. So, Mark, I didn't want to make you sound old, but you've been covering the NFL for a long time. I think you were there even my rookie year in 2001. I I think not only did I cover you, Ross, I think I actually went out of my way to speak to you in your rookie year training camp, obviously spotting your potential early. You know what? I think it was my second year. I think – this is actually – we never talked about this. I'm assuming it was you, Mark. I don't know who else it would have been. But my second year was Spurrier's first year, 2002. That's right. That's right. That's right. And I was starting at right guard. We had five preseason games. The first one was in Osaka, Japan. And I was and they were loving me, and I was playing awesome. And you wrote an article about me that was that was the top of the sports section – 
in the Washington Post. I think you even got quotes from like my agent Joe Linta. That was really cool. That was like my true. first big NFL true. article. And, and you just mentioned the highlight of Spurrier's tenure, the, the first preseason game in Osaka, the big victory. That it pretty much was all downhill from there. Oh man, Mark. If you ever need some content over the summer, <laughs> I could just tell Spurrier stories. I'm sure there are a million of them. For a long time, a long time. Before we dive into, you know, some of the information I, I, I talked about, whether it's Deshaun Watts or the NFL, just out of curiosity, Mark, what's it like for you to have guys that you covered as players that are now like have shows and ask you questions? Is it weird? It, but, you know, as you said, it, it points out just how old I am, how long I've been around, how long I'm doing this. But you're one of the success stories, Ross. You're, I brought you up right. So uh, I did something right in showing you how the media work. But, no, you know, it's a little odd. What, what, what's weird is that when you see um, the kids of players – that you covered at one point coming along and and being drafted and and making their way into the league. Now, that really makes you feel old. So I'm not going to make this about me because I, I don't care. However, my listeners listen to this show, my other shows every day. So I will ask you one question. What, if anything, do you remember about me as a player or person or in the locker room? Maybe you already said it, the, the fact that you – because I remember that headline was like, uh, Redskins Ivy League or something like that. Right, right, right. I never forget, like the next preseason game was a home preseason game. And I'm walking through the tunnel and there was some kid in the tunnel who I'm sure his dad's rich or something that he was able to be in the tunnel. And he was like, oh, it's Tucker, dad, it's Tucker. Because I can just <laughs> picture his dad being like, that's what you want to do. You want to go to the <laughs> Ivy League and then go to the NFL. No, that's what, and then that's what I remember. I like see, I see, I, I was wrong in thinking that was your rookie year, but no, I remember that story. I remember talking to you for that. I remember just, you know, sort of, you know, who's this Ivy League guy that all of a sudden might be a st- might start on on Spurrier's offensive line, and you know, just sort of seeking you out and talking to you, saying, "Hey, this is a pretty decent guy. This guy has actually a clue what's going on." <laughs> and you know, you were a good guy to talk to then, so it's you know, it's not surprising you went on to do what you did to me because you know. You were a good guy to talk to back then. I don't want to, you know, be too complimentary here, but but that's what I remember about you. I remember, you know, seeking you out early in your career when you were getting that chance and saying, well, you know, this guy actually has something to say. Well, so before I forget, you all should, I'm sure a lot of you already do, follow Mark on social media at Mark Maskey. He's the NFL reporter and has been for a long time, which means he covers the league not the team anymore. And I think it might, I don't know if it was Friday morning or Friday afternoon, Mark, you had a report as it relates to Sean Watson. I don't want to put words in your mouth. What exactly was that report? You know, uh, that was Friday afternoon. And, and, and I talked to people sort of on both sides of the case. Um, what people have to understand now, and, and we can get into a little bit more, but, you know, the, the personal conduct policy and the way discipline is done in the NFL under the personal conduct policy is a little different now. It's not just a matter of the NFL decides what the suspension will be. Now the first step in the process is, is, is the first ruling. The initial ruling is made by a disciplinary officer who is jointly appointed by the league and the players union. It's, it, it's a former uh, U.S. district judge named Sue Robinson, who's now an attorney in, in Delaware. So what the, what I report is that what the NFL is, is 
as planning to argue uh, before Judge Robinson, before Sue Robinson, the former judge, who's now the disciplinary officer, is that uh, the NFL, in its view, based on its investigation, Deshaun Watson violated the personal conduct policy and deserves a significant suspension. That's the word that was used to me by multiple people on both sides of this case, because the union and Deshaun Watson's representatives, legal representatives, now have an idea of what the league uh, plans to do in this case. I believe they've been briefed uh, on the league's findings in the case. So both sides say that, that what the league will seek is a significant suspension. Now, what does that mean? Uh, I have one person on Deshaun Watson's side say that, that, that in their view, that means the league probably, that was the word they used, probably will seek something, you know, around one full season. So, you know, no one is really pinning themselves down yet. Uh, both sides use the word significant. That's obviously open to interpretation. And, 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 you know, to say one year, the only word that was used to me is probably. So I don't think we really know the exact length that the league will seek. But but I think that just sort of frames it in what we should be thinking about now. The league is thinking about a very long suspension, a significant suspension. But again, in this new version of the conduct policy, that doesn't necessarily mean that's that that that's what it will be. In this version of the conduct policy, both sides make their case to the disciplinary officer. The disciplinary officer makes a ruling, so there will be an initial ruling, and then either side then can appeal that ruling as long as the disciplinary officer rules that there's a violation and some sort of, of discipline is in order then the, either side can appeal what the, what the discipline is back to Roger Goodell. So, so in the end, it still comes back to Roger Goodell in the way that it always did. But th- there's now a sort of a, a, a different and more complicated process than what people may remember from past cases under the personal conduct policy. So there's a lot there. Um, there is a lot there. Yeah, there is a lot. I, there. I mean, I guess the one thing I would say, can they have, and maybe they would wait until the appeal process, Mark? But can they negotiate outside of Sue Robinson? Can the NFL, NFLPA say, look, we don't know what Sue's going to do. We want a year. You want as little as possible. Would you just accept eight games right now and not appeal? I mean, that. That, that's allowed to happen, right? Or am I wrong? Yes, yes. That, that you, you, you could sort of have a settlement between the NFL and the NFLPA that heads it off. Now, you know, we've seen in the past, uh, even before we got to this sort of, of, of setup, that that was always very difficult to happen. We obviously saw a lot of, of confrontation, contention over over player discipline in the NFL that in some cases led to, you know, spilled over into courtrooms. Um, the NFLPA pushed for a long time for some, a system that got away from Roger Goodell, both making the first ruling and then also ruling on the appeal. Now, I think ultimately what the NFLPA would, would like is a system where Roger Goodell makes the initial ruling and then the final ruling goes to a neutral arbitrator. But, the, but you know, this, this is the new system that was put in place in the last CBA. It didn't go that far in terms of a change. I don't think the league and Roger Goodell were willing to give up the final say. So, yes, at some point along the line, and and I think I would have a hard time seeing that happen because they're they're very far apart right now. Um, With all that we just talked about, there's a chance that the NFLPA will say, you know, that their side of the case will be there should be no discipline. So that puts the two sides very far apart. You know, you almost think a settlement may be more likely during the appeal step where, you know, right now you don't know really in terms of the the legal side of it, who has the leverage. Uh, One side or the other will get more leverage once Sue Robinson uh, makes the initial 
ruling in this. And, and then you sort of see where everything's standing. And then to me, maybe sort of those, those settlement discussions become more prominent. But those have happened in other cases, uh, you know, over many, many years where we get to see that really be that fruitful. Um, my guess is, and that's purely a guess, that the process will play itself out just the way that we talked about. So I, I guess from my standpoint, thinking of it logically, though, this probably is better for the NFLP or good for the NFLP in the sense that if they're fighting for none, the NFL is fighting for a full season. If Sue Robinson says eight games, Goodell's not going to come in and say, no, it's the full season, right? I mean, like, that's not, that's not, I, I, I think where it's different and better is it's hard to envision Goodell having a ruling on an appeal that's way different from the initial ruling or that is in the opposite direction of the person making the appeal or the, or the entity making the appeal, right? Let's say it's eight games and the NFL says, okay, we're happy with that. The NFLPA appeals. Well, it's not going to go up when the NFLPA is appealing, saying it should be six or four. It could, though. Whatever, that, right? that's your da- that, that would be the NFLPA's danger in appealing if, if it's something like that. But again, I, I think the view that you just expressed is the NFLPA's view and also its hope that 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 if you have this initial ruling by a neutral arbitrator, that that if it then goes to appeal, that Roger Goodell won't do something completely different from what the neutral arbitrator looked. I, I think that's the NFLPA's hope. But you know, again, the funny thing is we don't know how this process works because despite the fact this that came in with the new CBA in 2020, this is the first case and the first case that we've seen sort of adjudicated uh, play itself out under this new process is a very obviously a very high-profile case, a lot of supercharge, a lot of very strong feelings on on both sides of this. Um, So so I I guess the best answer to what you're saying is we really don't know. We haven't seen this process play out under the conduct policy. We don't know how it will go. We don't know if Roger Goodell um, would, would, would make a decision that's vastly different from what the arbitrator said. You know, the other side of that is, let's play out the scenario that you said. Let's say that that the the, the NFL seeks a a full season. The NFLPA says no discipline. You know, the Sue Robinson comes in at at half a season, eight or nine games, whatever you say that is now under a 17-game season. And the appeal goes back to Roger Goodell. The other side of it is, you know, you sort of have the public perception of what if this only ends up being, you know, eight or nine games? Is that going to be enough? for the public to be satisfied that the NFL has done enough. And we've seen that scenario play out in other cases um, where the public was not satisfied that it was enough. There, obviously, if you go all the way back to the Ray Rice case, you know, the great public dissatisfaction with what the NFL did. And in this case, there's also the subtext of the Trevor Bauer suspension in an MLB of two full seasons. Does that play in here? You know, does that play in as a precedent? Obviously it's a different set of facts, a different set of, of allegations, uh, but again, does the public look at it and say, wait a second, you know, MLB uh, imposed a two year suspension. And if the NFL does something significantly less than that, is that going to play out in terms of the public perception? Now, whether it's a, a whether it's a precedent that matters in the, the you know, the legal or quasi legal sense of what's going on here, I don't know. I, I don't know that the people who are involved in the case even know that, but it certainly will, could play out in terms of the, you know, what the public's reaction to the final outcome is. So, 
you know, again, to go back to your original question, I, I just don't think we know how this is all going to work, how it's all going to play out, because we haven't seen it happen yet in a case under the conduct policy. This is the first one. So that what's really interesting to me about that is the way the new personal conduct policy is. The NFL, after Sue Robinson makes her, they, they get to see what, because will we know what Sue Robinson says before it's appealed to Goodell? Well, that, I mean, that, that will be public, right? Or is it supposed to not? We, we may not. Again, I, I think we're finding, we're sort of finding out as it, it would have been Cause, cause, you know, cause, interesting. Mark, what I was going to say is, right. I, I'm not sure. The NFL's not benefit sure if that's right. get out, if that gets out, which means it right. will. Because that way the NFL can take the temperature of what right. the public reaction is before Goodell actually rules. No, I, no, I think that's a reasonable thought of it. But but again, I can't say for sure you're right. I don't know for sure that you're right. I, I, I would think that's a reasonable assumption that we'll find out what the initial ruling is. And then if one side or the other is appealing, that we'll know it. Um, but again, I, I do think it's the NFL's hope that, that all of this happens now in a pretty compressed time frame. You know, we're, we're, we're coming up, training camp is at the end of July. I think the NFL certainly would like to have it, it resolved by then. Um, and, and if not much sooner, sometime in the next few weeks. But, but it really comes down to, uh, number one, how quickly the process moves under Sue Robinson. You know, that, that will really be up to her if and when, you know, when she gets the case, how she wants, you know, is she going to just look at what each side has presented and make a case and, and make it a ruling off of that? Or is she going to, you know, conduct what amounts to a, a sort of quasi trial where she actually hears from witnesses? I, you know, that will really be up to her. And, and, and then, you know, in terms of whether either side appeals. And, and then what really matters is the approach that the NFLPA takes. You know, uh, I know one thing that's significant in the view of the league is that Jeff Kessler is involved now. He's an outside attorney for the NFLPA. People may have heard his name over the years. He's, he's very much involved in the high-profile cases. And, you know, he, he will fight very hard. Uh, he will fight very, very hard for Deshaun Watson. The NFLPA has the duty of representation for Deshaun Watson. No, what, no matter what the NFLPA thinks is the right thing here, it has the duty of representation for Deshaun Watson. Jeff Kessler, its outside attorney, is now involved. He will fight very hard, and I know some people in the league side believe that that's, it's possible that that could draw this out a bit, that, that maybe the ruling won't come as quickly as the league wants. But I, I definitely think the league wants – this settled, including the appeal, by the time training camp starts. So um, the only thing I wanted to ask you about, Mark, is this whole thing where Goodell is going to testify before Congress, but Daniel Snyder, the commander's owner, isn't. I got to be honest with you, I see these headlines, and like I, 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 I'm kind of confused by the whole thing. So, so Congress is having an investigation into Washington commander's workplace conduct. Like I, that is just strange to me <laughs> that Congress, why did Congress pick one NFL organization to do this deep dive into, so to speak? You know, it's a good question. Uh, you know, I, and, and, and that's sort of a partisan divide that's sort of taking place even within the House Oversight Committee. It's the Democrats right now who have control of the committee, obviously, uh, control of the House gives the Democrats control of the committee. Um, it's the Democrats who have led this investigation. And the Democrats would say and have said that the reason that they're doing this is because there are there are things that have gone on here that are applicable to other workplaces, to every workplace in America. 
where misconduct can take place, where you can see the use of non-disclosure agreements to affect the way that, 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 that it all plays out. The Republicans would say, you know, this is not something that the House Oversight Committee should be interested in, should be spending its time on with all the other issues that, that, that the country is dealing with right now. So that question that you raised is, is a question that is playing out right now as the committee goes forward. And we'll see what happens today. Uh, Roger Goodell has agreed to testify. I'll testify by Zoom in this the hearing on Wednesday. Uh, Daniel Snyder has said no. Uh, so far, he has not been subpoenaed. He's not been compelled. Uh, he has been asked uh, late last week on Friday to reconsider his no. He's been told to reply by today. So we'll see that, you know, it, it's not, we don't know for sure yet that Daniel Snyder won't testify on Wednesday. We know that he's said that he won't. Uh, there are steps the committee can take. The committee does have subpoena power. It could try to exercise that. If it does, we could see Daniel Snyder and his attorneys continue to fight that. So there's still a few steps left to play out before we see whether, for certain, whether or not uh, he testifies on Wednesday. So last question, you're allowed to just say no? Like, why does anybody <laughs> say yes if you can just say no? Like, of course, Daniel Snyder's like, oh, I'm out of the country. Like, of course he's going to say that. Right, right, right. It, you know, in in, the, in this case, yeah, I don't think it surprised anyone that he said no. Uh, now, again, you know, it, it's a process that's going on. He, he he was asked the first time. He was invited the first time. He and Roger Goodell both were invited the first time. Roger Goodell ended up saying yes. Daniel Snyder ended up saying no. On Friday, Carolyn Maloney, uh, the Democratic chairman of the committee, sent a, a letter to Snyder's attorney saying, you know, we, you know, basically going point by point on the reasons that Snyder gave and, you know, addressing the point that he's out, that even if you're out of the country, you can testify remotely. So, so at urging him in very strong language to reconsider that. No, uh, we'll see what Dan, what Dan Snyder's uh, response to that is today through his attorney. And then again, as I said, the committee has subpoena power. Uh, the chairman of the chairwoman of the committee, Carolyn Maloney, does have subpoena power. We'll see if the committee chooses to exercise that in this case. Check him out on social media at Mark Maskey. He is the man, been doing it forever. Nobody is more on top of these league wide issues, especially the legal ones, discipline ones, than my buddy Mark at Mark Maskey. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Ross. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, and thank you, Athletic Greens. Look, I never even heard of them, to be honest with you, until they started to sponsor. And then people started telling me, coming out of the woodwork, oh, yeah, I take them. Oh, yeah, I take them. Oh, yeah, I've been taking Athletic Greens for a while. Buddies of mine, their wives, Andrew Brandt. Why not? You are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. To help you start your day right. For me, it's very simple. I may or may not get a whole lot of veggies in each day, right? So why not do something that costs less than $3 a day? You're investing in your health. And to me, it's better than a multivitamin. So that that was an easy choice for me. To make it easy, Athletic Green is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Ross. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Ross to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Tux Takes. Hey, Ross. Good morning. Let's continue with what Mark was talking about, where the NFL is pushing for a full year suspension for Deshaun Watson. Right. I don't know that there's much else to add there other than it would seem to me like I'd be surprised if he doesn't get at least eight games. I don't think he'll end up being suspended a full year, but I'd be surprised if he doesn't get at least eight games. The whole thing with the NFLPA maybe appealing it, and then maybe Goodell sees that people don't think eight games is enough, and maybe he goes to the full season. That is interesting and has to be a little scary if you're Deshaun Watson. Maybe you just take the eight games, especially the Cleveland Browns are probably wanting to do that rather than missing a whole year. Ducks takes. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson confirms that he is talking about a new contract with the team. That's great, right? I mean, that, that, that's great. I'm so thankful. We've talked about this on other shows. I just want him to get over $100 million guaranteed before this season starts so that he and his future generations are set financially forever. I, I that, I don't care how much it is. I just want to make sure Lamar gets that before any type of catastrophic injury that could prevent him from getting life-altering financial security. Cleveland Browns have a new assistant general manager and VP of football operations. Yeah, Catherine, I think it's Raish. I'm not sure. She was with the Eagles, and this, this move has been rumored for a while. I don't believe I've ever met her. I might have met her once, and I'm not recalling. I point this out primarily because she is now one step away from being a general manager. And I know there was um, an owner's wife was once a general manager. Someone pointed that out to me. But this would be, at a minimum, the first woman in a long time, uh, debatably, if ever, to be – and NFL general manager, if and probably when Catherine gets the job. Ducks takes. We have six members of Congress who asked Roger Goodell to release Beth Wilkinson's findings from the commander's investigation. So this is interesting to me because I never know how much to talk about this stuff with you guys, right? Like, obviously, you care about Deshaun Watson, but... The Washington Commander's workplace environment? I, I don't know. You'd have to tell me on social media or email me, Ross at RossTucker.com. You know, to me, it's like tangentially football. Uh, it does involve a team, so I think we need to mention it. But I don't really know what to say. I, mean, I don't I, – I, I, they didn't release it for a reason. I'm sure there's good reason not to release it. And there are – Oh, my bad. Sorry to interrupt you there. No worries. I was done. Okay. All right. Moving on, Bruce Smith makes some comments about Tony Baselli's Hall of Fame candidacy. Just kind of weird. Bruce didn't like that a lot of the Jacksonville 
beat writers and people supporting Baselli pointed out that Baselli totally shut him out in like a 1996 playoff game. And Bruce went out of his way to say it establishes a bad precedent. We shouldn't have it where, you know, guys are boosting their candidacy by talking about how they did against another candidate or, or another enshrinee already. What is he talking about? I mean, it doesn't diminish what you did at all, Bruce. If anything, it should just be flattering and take it that way. You're already in. You're, you're already in the Hall of Fame. To me, it just comes across as really insecure from Bruce Smith. Really insecure. Of course they're going to boost guys' candidacy by saying, especially if it's a lineman, doesn't have stats, by saying, look how well he played against guys that are in the Hall of Fame. Okay? Bruce, you have 200 sacks. Like, nobody's looking, thinking less of you because Baselli had a good game against you once. That, to me, is just, well, I said it, weird. What, to me, is awesome is express clothing. Loving it. I've been rocking, whether it's here in Central PA or at the beach. You guys see me down there. I have been rocking my button-down short sleeve from Express and my polo because I love the different fabrics they have. Plenty of prints to be able to choose from. That's my thing. I like to have options for the summer. Thank you, Express. Find something for every destination at Express, online or in-store. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ducks takes. Ron Rivera, Mike McCarthy, and uh, Lovey Smith all get fined and sanctioned for overly aggressive OTA practices. This is happening a lot more than it did back in my day. And they're trying to crack down on physical activity in the spring. And I think they should. And I'm glad. Those guys aren't really getting paid for that. So that's good. I don't know who's ratting them out or who's turning them in, but... Uh, I think sometimes, though, these these coaches or whatever, I think they just look at it as the cost of business. I don't think it really bothers them that much. Okay, we lose one next year. We'll just account for that. The fine probably bothers them more. That's good money. hundred grand? you kidding me? Ducks takes. And finally, the Philadelphia Eagles signed former Niners safety Jaquiski Tart. So this is an interesting one, Bri, and there's no way you would know this. It's Jaquiski Tart. And I mean, I if not. you spell it and asked 100 people, they would say, 99 would say it's Jaquiski Tart. But evidently, it's pronounced Jaquiski Tart. 64 games he started for the Niners over the last six or seven years. They thought of more of as a box safety. He's pretty yoked up. The Eagles have Anthony Harris, who's a veteran, Marcus Epps, who's more of a center fielder. I think the Eagles felt like they needed depth. I think the Eagles felt like they needed a third guy that can really compete 
for a starting job. And Tart has, you know, the the experience, the pelts on the wall, especially in big games that they probably liked. I did see right before we started recording, Bry, that the Seahawks signed exclusive rights free agent defensive tackle Brian Moan to a two-year deal. Pretty good money. Got like a $1.5 million signing bonus. They didn't have to do that. You know, if a guy is exclusive rights free agent, they more or less gotcha. They don't, they don't have to do that. And so uh, that was nice of the Seahawks, but they're also kind of locking them up for 2023 as well. Speaking of locking them up, we love Evergreen Economics, go-bangles.com, steakhousesports.com, humanheadnyc.com, Sportaculture, and Pizza Boy Brewing. They're all patrons, patreon.com slash RT Media. Epic college draft today, going over the NFC South draft choices with Stephen Che, my buddy from Barstool, as well as Emery Hunt. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.